Greetings fellow travellers and welcome to the way of the showman where we view the world through the lens of showmanship. I am Captain Frodo and I will be your host and gracious guide along the way. And uh, I haven't said it yet uh, this year on the podcast uh, for those who are listening when it is actually coming out and when it's happening. Uh, Happy New Year. We have just uh, gone into a... uh, year 2023 and that's all very exciting last year a lot of people didn't have their best year so maybe we will go from the lowest to the highest uh, just by this arbitrary flip of the date i hope so anyway what i've just uh, realized is that um, buzzsprout which is the place where i'm hosting all of my podcasts they've done a sort of year in review and um, i had a quick look at some of those things and um, they usually divide them or a lot of their metrics on how many episodes that you have within the first week of uh, of the episode launching because that kind of shows how many people are actively uh, um, listening you know really following along uh, and um, based on that metric um, there we have um, uh, the most downloaded episodes uh, last year and uh, and uh, the number one is uh, episode 41 actually there's a preponderance of episodes uh, from uh, in the 40s that came out something must have been peaking by then maybe but anyway number 41 is a year of creation with jay gilligan so a conversational episode uh, second most downloaded in the first week that it came out is episode 40 who is the showman uh, this uh, in-depth kind of um, exploration of uh, uh, who we are and then episode three is episode 44 the one who faces the other way which is of course is a very deeply important um, concept for me and then episode 50 uh, is number four Uh, fourth most downloaded in the first week is art or entertainment I remember that that was um, it hit into some sort of uh, group or something it uh, spiked a lot and and then uh, on the fifth place uh, comes episode 55 which is a one-man circus which is a conversation a great uh, conversation that I had about uh, creating a show together with Morgan James so out of the five most downloaded episodes within the first week of coming down um, are two episodes of conversations one with Jay Gilligan and one with uh, Morgan James. And this is, of course, a format for podcasts that people love. And for those of you who are amongst those people who download it um, the week that it comes out, you will know that we have now gone into a conversational part or a conversational season or what do you call it? Because I'm still calling it a season two. So I don't know how to deal uh, divide these things up. But um, we are now having conversations on this uh, podcast and we will uh, do so for another for another quite a few episodes, maybe six or seven episodes uh, coming. And while that is happening, I'm also writing out another thing I want to talk about. Um, uh, another sort of long form essays which will come. So we will resume the regularly scheduled uh, monologues of me but it is also a very interesting thing of course to to hear some of the ideas uh, that you might recognize and some of the statements that I make in all the other episodes to hear them kind of how they um, uh, come to life in a conversation when you're dealing creatively in the moment uh, with a conversation so 
Um, I've been listened to in uh, 45 different countries um, and uh, topping those uh, uh, that list is uh, the United States followed by Australia and the United Kingdom but then comes a dark horse uh, perhaps not so dark uh, since it's uh, where I am residing so that then comes Norway and then behind that Sweden so that's the five and then the top city turns out to be Sydney in New South Wales followed by Las Vegas and then Brisbane so two of the top cities are in Australia and then the fourth one being Oslo and this according to their uh, uh, metrics at Buzzsprout uh, puts the way of the showman in the top 25% of um, most uh, uh, downloaded episodes on their server so um, yeah that's uh, that's uh, some numbers that uh, are interesting perhaps if you are interested in that kind of stuff you know one of the roots of all evil is uh, of course to compare yourself with others but uh, when you are doing good then I guess it uh, is not so bad so that brings me uh, on to the second point of housekeeping and that is that uh, um, the way of the showman has now got their own little merch stall and uh, you can now buy a uh, with our um, logo on it the way of the showman logo with the tent and a triangle eye which of course uh, might seem nice to anyone uh, it's a cool kind of esoteric uh, almost symbol but for us who are fastidious listeners along the way of the showman and interested in the deeper aspects of showmanship we of course know that the symbol is not just a fancy drawing but it's filled with deep um, meaning so you can buy yourself a singlet or a women's t-shirt uh, size uh, uh, or you can buy yourself uh, the way of the showman hoodie or a man-sized uh, t-shirt so I guess that's just size differences but anyway you can find it on the way of the showman dot dot com dot au but I'll put a link in uh, in um, in the notes of this thing and uh, uh, it only went online a couple of days ago so it's uh, very encouraging to see that uh, a bunch of you have already um, bought it and it thrills me more than you could possibly know that there are people out there who um, would like to walk around with their podcast on their chest it kind of to me signals that uh, we are prepared for a deeper conversation about what we do we are in it for the long haul and we're interested in uh, exploring the foundations and depths of what it is that we do um, so Anyway, we have uh, uh, thus far been uh, having a couple of conversations with Jay Gilligan, who of course has turned out to be the number one uh, guest on this air podcast, but we are now about to introduce you to a, another excellent fella, a beautiful performer, great all-round showman, beautiful family man, and here we touch on many interesting topics um, it will all lead towards um, towards a, a, a project and exploration that uh, Gareth has um, during long drives, as you will hear, where he has been trying to boil down comedy into some sort of uh, schematic or into some ingredients, as he calls them, so we can boil up a good pot of comedy. Can we see some uh, parallels between jokes and see and then use this? So today we are going to first uh, meet uh, Gareth and talk a little bit about... Um, 
who he is and some of the stuff that he does and you'll get a I listen back to a bunch of it now and, uh, and it's he really is a wonderful Australian fella and uh, we get to touch on some great things about family uh, about what to do what, or approaches to what you can do when you are touring uh, and you have a family uh, a great uh, very different one from uh, me and um, and Jay so that's uh, very interesting so and then uh, as it turns out this conversation went very long so I've divided it up into three and uh, this is the part one where we introduce him then next uh, episode we will look into the first uh, sort of half of the ingredients of comedy and then we will wrap it up in episode three so uh, the next bit uh, of uh, the stretch along the way of the showman will be exploring comedy so let's set out along the way i don't want to look at myself too much you know yeah yeah uh, Oh, well, I'm just going to have to do it. Um, yeah, I've cool shows with uh, Trent and Rachel. Um, you know Trent? Do you know Trent Arkley-Smith? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, that Trent. Yeah, good. Yeah, so, yeah, it's a real fun show, actually. It goes really well in the schools, and uh, so it's good. Yeah, what what kind of what kind of show is it? Like the circus and obviously music. You you playing the banjo and him and the mandolin or whatever. Yeah, I play a bit of music in it. It's a show about this kid uh, called Timmy. That's me, uh, who hears music in his head all the time, and it affects his behaviour. And so the show shows him and Trent and Rachel play the music. So they're the music in my head. And the show shows him getting ready for school in the morning. So I'm just in like a school uniform um, and I like have a, I wake up, I get dressed, make my breakfast, do my homework, do my music practice, brush my teeth, that type of stuff. Then it shows him like when the music is normal and he has a sort of normal day and it has, I incorporate a little bit of circus stuff into the, into that morning yeah. routine and then it shows him on a bad day when like the music uh is going bad and everything goes wrong and all the slapstick and yeah. um all stuff like that and um then he's visited by a hooded figure in a dream and that who gives him a conductor's baton so he can control the music and then he can just put on the exact music he wants and he has an awesome day and everything's like enhanced all these that's where i do all the best tricks yeah yeah yeah, yeah that's the whole show yeah wow that's uh, amazing what is so i mean it's uh, got a kind of clowning um approach <clears throat> to the acting or whatever the storytelling as opposed to it's not like theater or like it's coming it's you are acting but it's in a in your funny kind of way, normal. Yeah, it's all. I'm. I don't speak in the show, and I'm dressed as a school child. Um, so it's great fun. It's all physical, and, and all working with like um, taboo. It's, yeah, it's really because, and I'm dressed as a kid, so all the kids are like, "Ah, oh, he's one of us. Great." Yeah. Uh, but then you're doing all the things that they're not allowed to do in school. And it's it's actually quite interesting. Like the things I'm doing aren't that outrageous sometimes. 
But the fact that I'm doing them in a school dressed as a school child just makes them them go crazy sometimes, you know. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, what, what, what's an example? I'm immediately going to think, like, picking your nose or squeezing a pimple, like, is it because well, it's morning routine? Uh, no, like, the first thing I do in the day, every day, is is uh, get undressed. So I take my uniform off and I'm wearing boxer shorts and a singlet. So the in, for young kids, it's they go, like, Beatles crazy over that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> like... They really lose the plot. Then I bend over and scratch my bum and stuff, and they're just like, this is off chops, you know, like, seeing <laughs> the school. But it's that's what we were going, but that's not that outrageous, really, like, compared to... Yeah, well, you would think so, wouldn't you? But it, hmm. I don't know if it is also, like, this weird polarity between what's going on on the internet with TikTok and all the sort of stuff, and it's like that weird... Um, uh, adolescent thing and the hypersexualization of everything yet in the everyday there's this sort of prudence or something that is happening as well I could I was just watching some um did the circus festival just this weekend now in Oslo and, and next to where we are there is a statue um which is a fountain so there's water going down over this kid so there's a there's a bronze statue of a child standing in the water yeah and how many times, because my caravan was right next to that one, how many times little boys would go over and go, oh, you can see his doodle, ah, and how excited they are of that. Like, um, it just made me go, oh, wow. It's like, is that such a big deal? It's like you hardly notice it. And to be fair, it was not a very impressive doodle. It was a, <laughs> yeah. That was... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you can't put a giant doodle on a statue, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Nah, it's frowned upon, I guess. Or else it's like whoever they used as a model in all of the Greek period, they all had these flaccid little things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I agree. Like, it's also bizarre that, like, in a day in a day and age where you can see any amazing skill you want on the internet, the really simple things still impress the hell out of people yeah it's like and it, it's testament to the fact that like it's not what you do it's how you do it and people yeah. don't want to see you necessarily doing anything amazing they just want to see you struggling to do something about or either struggling yeah. or achieving it like either one's good they just don't want to see like amazing skill over and over again is is incredibly dull actually. Yeah, yeah. It's also it's I guess it's um there too, you know, then when you think of like someone like Mr. Spin or whatever, I always thought of someone who got incredibly high skill yet has this incredible capacity for getting the audience enthused about whether he could do an eight ball uh juggle or an eight ball <laughs> flash, whatever. Like it's because it's it's I think that's like one of those things where like where, where character, the character is to me the thing which you connect to. It's the emotional component of the thing. There is a certain abstract emotion that comes from being impressed of seeing somebody juggle five balls or whatever, but not really emotional that's more like it's it's a different kind of thing but the emotional thing comes from the person and yeah. character when you're talking about writing like story writing or plots or whatever the 
the character is kind of revealed when they meet some sort of struggle. So that's why Clown, I think, connects so much. It's like you see, it's just a caricature with they're just going along in the thing and they're walking to work. And then, but the moment when boom, there's a bag of money lying on the street in front of them and what they now do, or there's a dead body or whatever, now you get to see what this person is, is actually like, like when there's yeah. a real situation or. Yeah. So maybe there's that thing of that where I, I feel like the live component but when you when you film something or you do, or you see it on youtube or whatever mm. that live interactive thing you're here doing something and they are watching you that ancient uh, connection that comes from that you can't substitute that with the internet so no. that, or with watching it on film because the yeah. real event like when i climb the cans on uh, screen you kind of there's no sort of you don't look at it and go oh there was a wobble on that can but in the show you can hear that they they react to that because i am there i could fall down on yeah. video if i fall down then yeah. like any other accident video on youtube you just go oh those and mine will be less bad than some of that terrible stuff that's out there but if you fall over in the show like they might actually have to help you yeah <laughs> it's a bit more yeah. responsibilities in well, they can just uh you know i think that's yeah it's so true and I, like what you said about with like them having to do something when i very first come out in this show we're doing at the moment i i get introduced and i come out like like i'm experiencing that for the first time as well i suppose and that the kids are instantly like they're instantly engaged and endeared by that yeah. thing. As in, if I came out and was like, took applause or like pretended, if I if it looked rehearsed at all, it wouldn't. I don't think it would have that same. Yeah. The fact that you come out and experience and experience that moment with them instantly connects people to your to that live experience, you know what I mean? Like it can't look too rehearsed as well. That's the other thing, can it? You come kind of stumbling into it or without any fancy footwork or whatever. You just come in and then you're here and I'm here. This thing I think is so important. There's many ways of, of, of doing it, but it's the <laughs> same in this festival on the weekend and I come out and I, I go out and I kind of immediately start to talk to them like as if before the show has started like you come out and i'm like ah oh, here i am and anyway you guys doing good did you guys have fun did you see things outside all right yeah. oh, great uh, excellent now my name is this, so that you i i try to come out and start to connect first before yeah. we go and then it's like on oh, okay now okay we, we've chatted but now I, I have to do the thing where i am this is my show and like yeah. go, okay so yeah. this here, this circle on the floor, this is my circus ring. And this we're gonna make this together. We're gonna make this into magic circus. And yeah. I'm all about the we do it together to have this participatory aspect of it, like amp that up as much as you can. Because yeah. I think that's where the like to come in and immediately go, I see you. I see you are there and I yeah. am here. Yeah. And when somebody shouts something or somebody does something, 
this just happened. Mm. I'm not churning along with my yeah. thing. And then you're just sitting there like on a movie. If somebody says something or somebody comes in in the beginning, it's kind of a good thing. There's always somebody who's late or there's something like that. And then I go, and now oh, in the show, I'm going to um, yeah. introduce this guy who's coming over here. Yeah. And I'm like always looking for that little bit to yeah. go. And that introduces this thing, which when I'm doing school shows and all these, where I get peppered with questions. Like, they they want to talk, so sometimes you have to go. Okay, now this is we're gonna pause the questions now, and we'll do some more questions later, because yeah. they ask all sorts of silly questions, which feels to me like they're like they really see you as another person who's standing there who you can just chat to, yeah. and that it's a very informal setting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so true. Small talk is really important at the start of a show in the street theater, isn't it? And I mean, in anything really, it's just a way of letting people know that it's real. Yeah. You know, I used to find when I was doing music busking, I used to busk with the banjo. I still do, but, and when I first started, I'd like put on a hillbilly character and be like year hiring and wearing funny teeth and stuff. And some people thought that was funny. Um, but sometimes people just cross to the other side of the road to stay away from me. <laughs> this is too much. I don't want this guy. Like I'm just trying to get my shopping. This yeah, yeah, yeah. But if now I've discovered if you just chat to people and make humorous small talk, it's it's perfect because you actually enjoy it yourself as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Real to you to like ask them how they're going or what what they're doing. Like I am, in, you. I'm always interested. Um, and obviously for busking, as soon as someone's talked to you, then you like your chances of them giving you money are like drastically increased. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. So, uh, so, so, um, now that we've talked for a while already, I thought maybe I should just say who you are or whatever. That sure. Yeah. Jolan, uh, yep. so, and uh, you're the, the patrofamilias of the Pitt family circus. Yep. Uh, lover of, uh, Circus and cricket. Oh. Yep, I haven't been into cricket as much in the last few years, but I'm definitely still a lover of it. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, and uh, anyway, we thought we could just say a couple of things because it's always interesting for me to talk to other people who are, have been in the game for a long time and who have a family and how that, because you have a very unique and uh, inspiring way of... Um, having your family involved in the show because we have the showman and we have the show and then there is the man and how does the man deal with the fact that they are uh, you have a family so tell us a little bit about your approach to what you do when you go on tour and what you do with your family well i we as you know uh, the whole family does the show and the way that came about was pretty much just from like it being hard, easier to use our first child in the show than find a babysitter, I think. <laughs> and I once that. I worked out, you could balance kids and they liked it. And I can't remember where I, if someone taught me to do that or where, how I actually started. I, I can't even remember. Um, 
But that was how it started, was I would take Gwyn out of the audience when he was, like, just a babe in arms from Bronte, really, and then you and then balance him and then give him back. I think that was the first thing. And then when we started doing shows together again, when Mike Bronte had recovered from um, giving birth and everything, um, which wasn't that long, actually, um, in after Gwyn, but then we just put him in the show because we were both doing the show. And so it made total sense. And it was another great, it was just a, such a cool trick that I think I couldn't resist. And then once you have one child doing it, um, like the second one, it wants to do what the older child is doing. And Amelie, she was like, Gwyn was good. Like he, he could do, that's where I originally made up that routine. There's some cool footage that Hamish has of doing that routine with Gwyn, the original one, um, at Tony's Circus Festival in Tassie. And then Amelie, though, she was she was just, like, had perfect form since she was a baby. So she could do, like, heaps better tricks. And we, so, and we would have Gwyn... How do we do it? We used to have Amelie at the start of that stage as a random baby from the audience, and then we'd put Gwyn in at the end in a suitcase he'd come out of the suitcase um and then but then at that stage we were still doing like the tasmanian brother and sister act and having a kid was like this incest joke at the end um, which people did love but i didn't really want to take the incest joke (laughs) to the next level like it's only it's it's a I mean, maybe it'd be good. Like now, I think you could, you could, but it's you just don't want to be known necessarily for that. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so then we actually made the decision to go. Oh no, we're just going to be a family circus, and we changed our name to the Pitts Family Circus. Um, and that's right. I suppose it started properly. Um, was from doing that, and then once they've been doing it for a, have you frozen? Or are you just not moving? Are they frozen? Crazy. Anyway, um, uh, yeah. So you guys outgrew the the incest uh, thing and became a real family circus, acknowledging your true relationship mm-hmm. and that this was not actually you're not related by blood. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah. and then then and then you became a family circus where the kids are actually part of the of the show. I mean, so so the act with balancing one of the kids that just got passed that baton got kind of that act got passed on yeah. from yeah uh, just as the, the smallest one got that role yep yeah, i did those same routine with all three kids some of the same pretty much all the same gags like turning them upside down and using them to pick up stuff and um yeah a few other like other things um and that yeah they all did that until they, until that was too tall, until they're yeah. too tall and they and they start scraping on the ground a bit, and then yeah, you, then you're like, no, we, you've got to start working a bit harder now. Yeah, got to do another act. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
So that's great. It's like you've got a, you got you then got acts where that you do together with your with Bronte and then with each of the kids as well. Like there are there are acts that they're and you should do a group kind of acro thing where you basically hold, lift your whole family. Yeah, the, yeah. The, I mean, and we actually like we actually play as the family, which was the big difference. Like. All the show is about a family trying to do a show together rather than it being like a, a fictional situation. Even though it is a little bit, it is totally real because you're trying to wrangle a family into doing a show. Um, and, yeah, there's group acrobatic acts and acts with me and Bronte. Um, and we're, I'm trying to... Bronte has solo acts... I don't really do any solo acts in the show. Oh, no, I do sometimes. But at the moment, I'm trying to get the kids to do, to have solo acts as well because what happened was I'd end up being in absolutely everything and you just get too tired doing that yeah, yeah. acrobatics um, over the show. But, yeah. I find that really interesting. It's like uh, the show that I do over the summer here is a mix of some theater and real circus acts mm. but it's based on a story from a very very one of the most famous kid stories in norway by a norwegian author uh, and uh, the one of the guys from that book becomes a circus director in the end of the book but you never get to really see what he does but this circus yeah. is what happens there so there's characters that they know and love and whatever that are talking and have circus and i am always it's it's always difficult to introduce theater into a circus show. Yeah. But thing that I find that most reliably work is if the show that you create and the theater fits within the framework of we are actually doing a show. Yeah. So That's this is the circus. It's the characters. He's mm -hmm. invited some of the characters into the thing. So the natural things that they talk about, it's like the, they have the chief of police, who's a very famous character people know about. So they, And he is a bit of a bumbling kind of guy, so he doesn't know quite what he's doing. And then the show as a concept really worked. There are elements of theater, but mm -hmm. they're all sort of related to the putting on of a show, which yeah. means you don't have that suspension of disbelief where, like, you come in and you go, ooh, it's cold here at the North Pole. Yeah. Juggle these snowballs. Then yeah. as soon as you do that, it, like, it still work, but it's yeah, just more difficult then or whatever. And you guys are doing that same thing by having the story, uh, in quotation marks, of the mm. show being a family that puts on a show. Now it is theatrical and there are stuff that can be in there that is shtick that you always say but yeah. it's it's still 100% real that's right yeah and it what I've discovered over the years was like going from actually it getting quite chaotic and frustrating and then realizing the audience were just loving the fact of how chaotic it's getting and how frustrated I was getting and going up. Oh, I need this. I need this chaos. I just have to have the right amount of it. Yeah. And it's the best thing ever. Like it's, it's, you know, it's so real. Um, and now we have Ollie, Ollie in the show who is the youngest one and he, you just see him 
poking his head out from the backdrop at different times in the show. Sometimes he'll be the side playing and doing stuff. Um, or he'll, like, go into the audience and then be talking to some kids there. And um, it's great. I, I actively curate a little bit of that random family chaos now because it makes it every all families can relate to that i i, I yeah, yeah running around you know it's um yeah i have to tell him sometimes like oh you can't you know but even telling him even telling him that he's that he shouldn't be there like in the show is works just yeah. as well like uh but, yeah. it's, but it's like you seek authenticity in all that you do the thing that makes the people really connect to what you do is that it that it feels authentic that yeah. it, this is genuinely happening in this moment yeah. its character is revealed when you are faced with an obstacle that you have to overcome or solve or whatever and a child misbehaving and uh, uh, reprimanding or guiding or whatever like that child in front of everybody that's just like it's intimate and it's it, it's so real like it's a, such a real thing and you need to yep. do it in the right way and you can you can show the audience and the adults your frustration with it but have to put on the nice voice there's so many dynamics in there that is just like it's so endearing yeah no it is and it's pretty fun as well actually if you if you actually decide to have fun with it like, you know what people always say before a show have fun yeah and it's almost an empty bit of encouragement in a way yeah. because often we don't go out there having fun we just want to get the show right but i've come to say like have fun and like actually do something that you find fun like or that you will find funny or like actually actively try and make it fun for yourself yeah yeah is is such a good if you want to perform for a long time especially because otherwise it's just it can either go so far the other way where you're like just yeah, yeah. You, you only feel as good as the last show you did so or yeah. I, I know i i do often um, yes. so really trying to like actually have fun um and i have to remember make it fun for the kids is um yeah, of course. Like if they don't like it, then and they are only as willing to do the show as the fun that they had in the last show. Yeah, a good experience for them, and they will want more of yeah. the show. And just, yeah. Uh, and yeah, well, no, but this is a, this is such a good point. I do it, and I I, I keep what I'm telling myself because I've just a couple of two weeks ago. Uh, put out a whole bunch of new material that whenever I'm performing now, it's come in different things. But I basically have like 65 minutes of new material put together and I've been doing it. And yep. I have that same thing. It's like I, I I don't call it having fun, but it's called, I, I need to be in that moment, not just try to present the uh, material as I have thought it should go. Because I'm presenting material which is now I'm, I am aware that it is underbaked. There's a spine in here. All the magic trick just happens. But the fun and the discoveries I only find when I'm doing it again and again. So then to be in it and look for it. And, but it's a better way 
to express that is just to have fun because having fun is an integral part of playing. That's and right. That, those things are connected to it. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's only play that is fun or else it t- twists into work. And part of the magic of what we do is to make work into play. Yeah. Like yeah. Playing with the audience and all of that. And the more I am behaving like I'm at work and I just got to get this act done like this. Yeah then it stops being play and the connections fall apart. It's true. It takes the life out of it. Um, yeah. If it's like that. Yeah. That's interesting. And, I, yeah, so I was um, – the what sparked our uh, contact this time was that you have been uh, thinking about jokes mm. uh, and the uh, structures of jokes and uh, have made a – an attempt at uh, classifying them and whatever. So, uh, how did you? How how did this uh, occur to you to 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 do this sort of division thing? Uh, I think it actually. It may be. It's like making a map of the types of jokes that yeah. there are. Yeah. Um, I think it. I think I used to say it to Tom sometimes. Actually, working on his show, like there's only seven gags because, and I sort of had a gut feeling that that was the case, but I never really identified what they are or I'd work out a few and then forget about it. Um, And I think it was on a long car drive. I was, I've talked about it a few times as well, also with my son, Gwyn, about that, but I just, well, I should try and, um, you know, on long car drives, you often do that deep thinking because you're doing something else and you have time. Um, and not distracted by anything. So I just, I must have been mulling it over in my head and I just made that little voice memo that I uh, sent to you and I sent it to Tom as well. Um, Tom, Tom didn't react at all. I think it was, oh. yeah, he, he was like, oh, yeah, he didn't react very much. But um, <laughs> it was like, yeah, this is the same shit Gaz is always going on about. Yeah. <laughs> but... And then I talked about it more with a few people and uh, then I made another voice memo, which was like the nine gags. Uh, yeah. There was more and then I then I was like, oh, no, I think there's 11, but now I've got 12. Um, but I think some of them, I've been thinking about it more and could be boiled down a bit more. I've got a list of them. Excellent. I think for it to be an effective, I mean, it's an interesting thing. It, I think there's a few rules with something like this, like, and one of them is that it doesn't come with any guarantees that yeah. it's going to be funny. It's so in a way, it's only it can be useful retrospectively to go, why was that funny? Because sometimes you know you're like, I've got no idea why this is funny, but it is. Um, and or you can use it to like brainstorm, or you go, I need a gag for here, like. What is the what is the gag for here? That's my gut feeling is that there's always a gag. There's always a gag. It's just working out the right one yeah. um, for that moment. And then sometimes it can be years, as you would know. Like you've been doing a routine for years and then you're like, that's it. Why didn't I see? It's the fish gag. I, I, I should have known yeah, that. Yeah. Um, it was so close. All that time, it lies just as this possibility that when you do it, it feels like it has always always been there or whatever, yeah. Yeah, staring you in the face. Um, I guess you could also use it to 
in us being novelty acts or whatever, like variety acts, it's like you want variety in your things. You can also look at your show with these jokes and you go, oh, I am doing many jokes of this type. I should perhaps change into something else. That's right, yep. Um, or to expose in our world, there's a lot of generic gags and sometimes mm -hmm. it can be used to like make, um, which I don't think there's anything wrong with. I think they're, they're just one of those 12 jokes. There's nothing, um, in a way it takes a lot of the like pressure off having to be original because you realize, hang on there, you want to be original, of course we all do, but we all are original without even trying is really important to remember. Like you'll never be exactly the same as someone else, no matter how hard you want to or try. So it can be useful to, to take those generic gags and go, oh, what actually is this? Ah, oh, it's that. Of course, exactly. well, I can just change it to this and that'll be much more in my character and um, yeah, yeah, yeah. work better. I mean, it's also, it's, um, I am, of course, the second season of my uh, show, uh, my way of the showman podcasting. It's, I am exploring what showmanship is and yeah. what, I'm, what I'm trying to explain what it is that I'm doing, then it is it's like showmanship is such a complex and territory. It's such a nebulous and difficult thing to grasp. But what I find is that when I boil it down, I have stuff that then relates to it doesn't matter whether you're standing on stage telling jokes or you're doing juggling because the fundamental process is the same. And yeah. I like to think of it as a process or as structures that are inherent in modes of relating between people. And then if I think of this as this sort of territory, then the idea of what the map is, is yeah. good because these jokes, when you make any kind of thing like this and you say, oh, there are seven types of effects in magic or whatever, 10 or 12, the same thing, then there are myriads of things. So like well, this thing that we talked about, the seven plots, there's a famous book yeah. called The Seven yeah. Plots of, of Stories. And that when you look at that, you go, of course, nothing is quite that simple but maps are supposed to be simple and they are not the same as the territory but because they are simple it allows you to penetrate through all the bushes and the trees and go oh it's yeah. just this is the actual shape of the terrain here and yeah. i really uh, really resonate with that kind of mm. think yeah so, definitely it helps you to um if, if something feels, it helps you to like fix, to fix things that aren't working as well. I think it's a tool. They're essentially a tool. It's a tool and it improves your chance of understanding why something is working, which you already touched on when you sort of, you, yeah. you do, you always, if you're in the moment, if you're trying to have fun and you're looking for new gags and you, whether you just remember it or whether you have a GoPro or you record what you're saying, whatever, yeah memes you do to at the end of the show when you're driving home and you go through it and you go ah oh, there's that why was that funny because that was very funny how can i recreate it because we will hit on gags that we can't easily reproduce later on like it just yeah. brought the yeah, yeah. Down and got standing ovation and then and then by analyzing it and the more you have these maps to kind of grasp it then yeah. the better you can recreate it as well yeah yes absolutely and rely less on your, I always remember being like, 
frustrated when a show only seemed to work when you gave it your 100% raw energy? Because yeah. like, that's too tiring to do all the time. You want your show to be strong enough that, like, at times you put everything into it, but other times you might be have low energy or be performing in not ideal conditions and you really want the show to work for you then and you don't have to work for the show. Yeah. So I think it helps in creating a show like that that because it's, yeah. you know, it, it's, it works because of the strength of the, the gags and the, uh, the show. Yeah, I think of that as the material. It's like when the material and the structure of the show is there. You don't need the character, which is the third kind of element, to to sell the material. And yeah, that's like you will still be the emotional connection. But sometimes it's like I often think of it when I'm doing like particular types of corporate events where yeah. you go in and I'm doing physical comedy and I go, I am so glad I've done this act a thousand yeah. times or whatever because yeah. when I come in. And you get a tenth, if that, kind of response to what it is that you're doing. If you're doing brand new material and you're trying to sort of play with the audience and they are just sitting there like a wall of nothing. Yeah. Then you go, I am so glad I know this timing. Yeah. Because I do it and actually feel like I'm bombing. And then you go out afterwards and it turns out you were just as funny as always. It's just yeah. the yeah. they're radical and they're there and the boss is there and Owen has been drinking and it's uh, 12.45 in the morning and uh, yeah, it's like the situation is not rife for high uh, like yeah so in those moments it's great to have material and you go I know that the structure of this thing they will now feel a bit alienated but by the time in the end when the chaos is done and I finally do it they will this structure will work it's like one of the seven basic plots or whatever yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yes, yeah, so as, as I said, it's like the, within Magic, I have been using this, like, there they have, like, uh, production, vanishing, transformation, restoration, transportation, escapes, levitation or animation, penetration, penetration and prediction, I think, is yeah, yeah. something. But, like, so that you can look at the show and you go, has there been um, any animation in the show has there been anything that moved off its own accord it doesn't have to be that you levitated a yeah. thing but an effect with the egg and then the necktie goes up and down yeah. and that's just a gag on its own but within here within the story of it when that thing goes up and down something is moving in the show and it's very different than the rope becomes yeah. back together again yeah, yeah, so, yeah which is a restoration or so so to have these structures and you can go okay well Hang on, what I do with the newspaper and what I do with this um, with this rope, that's actually the same thing. Same thing, It's yeah. a restoration effect. So uh, this this is somehow, unless you're doing the theme of restoration, yeah. and that you're deliberately going yeah. for that, then uh, you are kind of repeating yourself. And then us who do sort of can be, what we do can sometimes be called novelty or variety, or both it's new, like, and you want it to be lots of different things, then you yeah. might steer away from those two effects. Even though ripping a paper and cutting a rope is not in, in, in initially thought of as the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I suppose it's to create balance. What we all yeah. want is balance. Um, balance is a, humans, a great in general. Yeah. 
That's mm. even better than just because we're not seeking variety just for variety's sake. We're seeking a balanced act which has Yeah. Yeah, that's a good good yeah. word for yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, it's funny actually, like what came to mind was vegetables as well, because uh Bronte was telling me the other day that a friend of hers doing a permaculture course and they're talking about like how we tend to eat all the same family of vegetables, which isn't good for us. Like, Yeah, broccoli, uh, the broccoli family, whatever that's called. That's right. We all eat way too much brassicas. So you've got to, I think it exists, a lot of these concepts um, exist in other areas as well. Yeah, Yeah, she's doing the, is is her friend doing the permaculture design course? I think so, yeah. It's just a one, but yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah, but this is a brilliant uh, thing. And I, uh, my friend Dennis Locke, you know Dennis Locke from yeah. the English Dents and now doing a bubble act in Vegas. Yeah. He uh, was really into permaculture and he, he, he sent me these uh, videos. And anyway, I was reading just the introductory uh, uh, paper to one of those episodes and I, uh, of, of videos of lectures and whatever. And yeah. I thought... And there's just one of the episodes that I haven't made yet of looking at the 12 principles of permaculture and looking at how to use that to create an act. Because I have got this long winded thing, which I've already spoken about, of the act as an organism that gets born and gets just you look at it as a living thing, which is gets born. And and when it's born, it doesn't know what it is. It doesn't know or care whether it's a boy or a girl. It can't sit, can't stand, can't do nothing. And then as you do it, it gets stronger and stronger. And then it rebels at some point and wants to be more than what it was. Whatever. If you take all of that in, then I have looked at these principles of permaculture and gone, this is great for making a robust act. There's so many of those things. Yeah. yeah, it's true. The if I cut the paper, if I rip the paper and then I, I cut the rope, then I'm I got a lot of broccoli in my yeah. thing. Even yeah. though, like, what is the other things that are related to broccoli? And I cauliflower and uh, I anyway I can't remember some of them are less. It's like is it even squash or like the, or, or, there's like some greens, rocket. Every, uh, I looked up. It's radish and mustard. Yeah. All radish and mustard things are in brassica as well. But, and I think the comedy things are the same. You actually find some of these are, like, super common, like almost every joke. And there's also some overlaps where one's, like, you go, oh, that could be that one or that one. Yeah. In fact, maybe that one is that one, but no, that one needs its own category because sometimes it exists without that one by yeah. itself um, and still works. But other times they're like, well, that's... That actually fits into a whole bunch of them. Um, but I don't think that matters, but it's just... No, I don't think so. Yeah. I also think with anything that's organic, as in anything to do with the life sciences or whatever, and this, what we're dealing with here, processes, it's bleeding over into each other because the map that we're making or the singling anything out as a, a part is a little bit artificial because it all is kind of part of a whole. Like it's just language and what we find funny and whatever. So you can always argue as to what it is. And you will always say that the map is not the same as the territory. It's always going to be more complicated. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. It's it's complicated and whatever, but the map is to map out this territory of of in a useful way. Like so that we can and useful being the kind of 
uh, point. It's like you, you mm. use the word tool or whatever. Like it becomes a tool that you can use to understand what it is so that you're not just stabbing in the dark with your jokes, but you go, oh, yeah, you give some structure and understanding of the territory. Yeah. 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 So yeah, yeah. should we delve into some of the some of your. Um, no, I'd love to. Um, yeah. Yes, as much as Gareth would love to dive into the categories and ingredients, we are going to hold off on uh, doing that until next episode. We're leaving it hanging on that cliffhanger just as we're about to dive into the real meat of the conversation. Now you have the introduction, so uh, we're going to do that. Um, and... Uh, it's just been excellent as i said in the beginning of this thing to see that people are supporting the podcast uh financially the t-shirts uh, is a little bit of a joke because they i don't know these print on demand things uh, uh it's mainly the money mainly goes to them but for me if you would buy one of those and wear it around there could not be any other way that um you could support the podcast more the more people that are out there carrying the proud logo of this uh, here uh, enterprise on their uh, chest. I think most of the prints are on the chest at the moment. Although we are working on getting a zippered hoodie as well that will have the print on the back. But um, that said, if you would be one of those that walk around with one of these, then that when the conversation turns to it, to say this is the way of the showman, this is the way, and uh, I would be mighty, mighty happy. If you want to uh, suggest uh, anyone that I should talk to that you think would have something interesting to add to the conversation of uh, deepening uh, our understanding of circus or showmanship or jokes or whatever it might be, then uh, please uh, drop me a line at uh, thewayoftheshowman at gmail.com. And that's all I'll say for today. So until next time, take care of yourself and those you love. And I hope to see you along the way.